I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. If you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It is Tommy Moore! Robbie Robbie Weekly. Little reverse pass. Hello and welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly. Gavin Casey here. Hope everybody is having a great week. And I'm joined, as always, by Murray Kinsella of the 42.ie. How are things, Murray? Great, Gav. How are you? I am super. Thank you very much. Excited for Friday night. We're joined as well, as always, by the great, great Bernard Jackman. Bert, how are things? Excellent, thank you. Lovely. We're going to naturally look ahead to... Ireland's Autumn Nations Cup fixture with Wales. Chat about the team, chat about the goings-on. Loads of rugby to talk about. And uh, I just wanted to start, Murray, before we get into all of the international stuff, with an interesting excerpt from Sean O'Brien's autobiography, Fuel, which you tweeted out, and I saw it was doing numbers on Twitter, which would indicate a level of interest in it. And I'll just read it out for people who who might have missed it and then get your thoughts on it. So uh, O'Brien writes in his book, I've oft... Uh, I've often been asked, I think it should be, I've often been asked why professional players aren't allowed to go back and play with their clubs. All Blacks players are allowed to do this when coming back from injury. I think that's the missing part in the Irish rugby pyramid. We're losing touch with the grassroots of our game. You can imagine the crowd that might turn out for a game if Johnny Sexton went back to play for St. Mary's or if I played for Tolo. Opposing lads would love to play against us too. Uh, Bernard... You've played the game at all levels and clearly the club game is a, a, an interest of yours now in your work with Bechtov and always has been. So uh, can I bring you in there and get your thoughts on Sean O'Brien's thoughts? Sean yeah, O'Brien's I thoughts. actually, um, and it's not because we're from the same town, but I actually agree with him. I think um, the club game is is in danger of being disenfranchised um, a little bit. And, you know, they do produce a lot of players, particularly you know particularly from the age of of 18 onwards um uh, and you know give them game time when when they need it when they're in the academy and are very flexible around you know uh sevens commitments or or a game commitments or under 20s commitments and uh but do try and do everything in their power to to uh to fit into what the academy managers want and then obviously if they if they make it and and go pro the clubs are are delighted but the, it's very difficult to keep that keep, keep that contact with them and um, I I do think it's an unbelievably positive feature of the of the New Zealand game. Um, I know the Australians have tried to get it back um, where they can, you know, for the for the big clubs like you know Sydney University and uh, and Manly and Randwick etc. That that not it's harder for the Wallabies to go back, but for Super Rugby players to go back and at least play some club games there. Um, you know, and we saw the the hype. Of, I know it was during lockdown, but and New Zealand were the first to come out of it. But when you know Dan Carter went and played a, a club game in in the Auckland club comp, um, just to get some match fitness, it just created a a huge buzz. And for you know, for everything, all the, down to local sponsors, but mainly just to the to the players who get to play with and against them. I just think it's a it's a really good thing, and it keeps keeps everybody humble. It's it's where the majority of 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 professional players. Um, you know, started or had a large part of their of their development in, and I, I just I just think it's brilliant. Uh, I I I think uh, look, I know a lot of AIL players who maybe don't support professional game as much, uh, because you know they feel that um there's no connection there, and and um I definitely did think if every so often or and look at it's it's down to circumstances, might be come back from a long injury or whatever. Um, but if they saw a player being made available to play for the club, um, I think it would go a long way towards showing respect for them, um, but also increasing that that connection and buy in across across all sections of the game. Yeah, it, it's 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 a lovely idea in theory, Murray, for sure. We'd all absolutely love to see it, and we'd see it a little bit in New Zealand, as is alluded to by Shawnee and by Birch there. But I guess the question that I'd ask you is how tenable is it in Ireland or how likely is it that we will ever see it uh, to your mind yeah it was a really interesting passage in, in his new book um, just on the quote I think he, he does mean I've often asked I, I can imagine him asking to go back and play but can you imagine Sean oh, O'Brien sorry, yeah. uh, playing for Tolo at his peak when they were down were they junior at that stage yeah look at that yeah just start Sorry, Murray, that wouldn't have, like you, that's actually against the rules. Um, he, I think there's a level, 
there's a level that he could play at. So I think, uh, and it might even be, it might be you know Division One um, of the UBL. But Shawnee definitely would <laughs> would love to play for Tullow. He'd play for he'd play for Leinster on a Saturday and play for Tullow on a Sunday if he could. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it is a kind of funny side. Like a lot of the replies were, no thanks, I wouldn't like to play against them, to be honest. But others said, I'd love to have a chance at going at them. But, but on a more serious level, yeah, it, it, it would be amazing and has been amazing when that's happened. Amazing for the club, supporters. You get a few hundred extra people through the gate and that makes a difference financially for clubs. Like the RFU, if they were here, they'd, they'd tell us their figures show that there's loads of academy and development contracted players involved in the AIL over the last couple of years, pre, pre-COVID. pre But certainly not Irish rugby players of that stature. You think of Paul O'Connell in 2013. And that was when he had to basically get some game time on board before a, a big Munster quarterfinal in Europe. Um, and, and it was cool. It was deadly. And the photos, I, I, I would imagine everyone can think of the photos of Paul O'Connell in his young Munster jersey. Um, and it lifted the whole thing and as Bernard said it, it created that connection and that's probably the real challenge like realistically I don't know if anyone's tallied up the numbers but it doesn't happen a load in New Zealand it's not like there's All Blacks playing for their clubs every single weekend there's definitely more of a willingness there I would imagine um, as Bernard mentioned Carter Ardi Savea Carter had done it many years before that as well it's it's not happening all the time and I think to have players of Johnny Sex and Stature saying playing in, in club rugby not really that realistic if it could happen once every now and again it would be, it would be amazing but I definitely think there's more of a, a job to be done in, in having that connection between the pro game and the club game it was a number of years ago now at the RFU a couple of years ago that they tried to get that kind of semi-pro top two divisions of eight clubs that was re- rebuffed by the clubs um, and I suppose the player safety thing is a is a topic on that as well I know some people maybe in the club game feel that having pros coming back here and there um, might be a little bit testing for players who haven't been at that level um, but I just think the connection thing is massive there's loads to it but even reading this book like Sean O'Brien obviously came through Tolo played for them all the way into the academy kept his connection alive by coaching them all the way through even probably to the detriment of his career at times and has that massively strong bond he wants to play for them before he finishes up in rugby and I, th- I think that's just fantastic to have on top of that, he also talks about the challenges for a club player like him getting up to speed when they get into an academy program. You know, having had maybe two days a week of rugby versus what someone in a school's program might have had, where now it's pretty much professional setup and you're 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 training maybe several times a day even. So um, that's another one for, I suppose, for the union to look at, and and I know they're going to they have been trying to maybe um, get those clubs players in a bit earlier and, and give them that I suppose training foundation that's, that schools players often have um, so there is loads in it but yeah at the end of the day it would be great for AIL to have a bit more of the, the high high profile players involved We could do a full podcast on it and maybe we will someday but we do have to talk about Ireland and the Autumn Nations Cup today just looking at the team Murray um, much changed team as well from Andy Farrell and uh, James Lowe starts. We kind of knew he'd be he'd be involved, given that he had stuck around with the Irish team over the last few weeks. Um, seven changes, uh, seven personnel changes to the starting fifteen overall. Um, what was your impression of the team? Are you happy enough? Like in terms of, I guess, excitement levels. Yeah, I think there's loads to be excited about there. As you mentioned, seven changes is quite a lot at this level of the game. Some people would have loved a lot more, and probably even younger players coming in but you have someone like Ronan Keller he's 22 he gets his first test start really excited to see how he does because obviously athletically he's he's a real specimen and looks like he can thrive at that level there's a bit more experience coming in alongside the changes you have Henderson O'Mahony even Van der Fleer coming back in um, Jamison Gibson Park getting a start at scrum half is, is really great and we'll probably come and, and touch on that even Chris Farrell who's obviously not a young guy but it is only his 11th cap and I know a lot of people have been hoping and, and clamoring for a bit more opportunity for him. Uh, so that's great to see. And James Lowe as well. So there is a nice blend to it as well. Like it, I was just looking at the caps totals, actually. Ireland starting 15 tomorrow has 495 caps, but Wales has 799. So less experience, obviously, in the, the Welsh team. And um, it is good for Farrell to, I guess, use this competition to try a few different combinations and give a couple of players who've been waiting for those chances that opportunity to impress and what remains a, a big test at home and 
there's still a bit of pressure on Ireland, even though it's the Autumn Nations Cup to, to win at home, particularly against a Welsh team that's not in great nick. Bernard, I saw you saying on Twitter that you found the team exciting. What excites you about it? I think it's good to change it up. I think um, I'm delighted to see Keller back in. Um, you know, Doris at eight uh, excites me. I think, um, you know, he's going to be a really good international for us. And, and um, I think eight is probably his natural position. He's a good six, but uh, I think he's a better eight. Um, and just seeing some new blood. I mean, Ireland, in fairness to, to Farrell, I think in the Six Nations, we... Um, you know, we gave seven new caps, um, which was which was second thing only to 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 France, um, and now we're we're blooding some some more players, um, this weekend obviously with Gibson Park and and Keller coming in, and yeah, I I think look at it's an important game for Ireland. I think it's uh, it's really important for Farrell. We win it, um, which you know sounds a bit crazy because. Obviously, there's no world seeding uh, um, points, um, no prize money at stake. But I just think, given the way the the state Wales are in coming, it would be a big blow. You know, it's I think it's understandable if you lose to England and France at the moment um, because of the of the strength of their squad and the talent they have. But if you were to lose to Wales, um, it would just probably be a a bit of another dagger blow into our confidence, and that's. That's harsh because when you look at the Welsh team, you know, there's a lot of quality there. But unfortunately for them, they're coming off the back of five consecutive defeats and, and um, looking a little bit lost. So um, it is. And I, I'm, I'm delighted to see, you know, people get new opportunities. We want to blood new talent and we want to find, you know, new stars. And, and they, they need to play to um, to get those opportunities and prove they can step up. And, um, you know, I'm particularly about Keller. I know he got a couple of caps off the bench, but... Uh, and I um and I know it's a competitive area, but I do think he has the ability and the margin of progression to be number one. Um and uh yeah, so I'm excited to see how how he how he goes. Yeah, we'll certainly get on to the Welch in a moment. And uh, as you say, like there are some exciting selections in here. Ronan Keller could be Ireland's hooker for the next decade. Like we we don't know, but it it would sort of be. Uh, it seems to be trending that way, let's say. Uh, and just to run through, I suppose, some of the more interesting selections. Um, Bernard, I'll stick with yourself. I actually think Stockdale's starting at 15, even though it's not a change, is among the more in- interesting calls in that, given this is an opportunity for Farrell to experiment, maybe it suggests that he's he's kind of locked in now at, at 15, or, or maybe it's just the case, conversely, that he feels as though he, he needs more time there at test level. No, look at it. I think it's clear that he wants Stockdale to be um you know a live option for us at at, at fifteen and um he's backed him to go again and, and, and I actually you know I agree with that. I just think they just need to make sure that as a as a unit um we don't leave him as a, as exposed. And there's areas that he needs to fix as well. But um I, I, I agree with that decision. I think there is there is huge potential there in that. And maybe we need to go through some pain and maybe that pain you know, will continue in 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 little bits um over the next year until he becomes a a well established international fullback. So I, I can understand that completely. And also, there's probably not a huge amount of of options um elsewhere. Um, but uh, I like I like the fact of sticking with him. Uh, I know Robbie Henshaw had a run at at fifteen, and obviously he had a, a tough day at the office. And you know, it seemed to be parked forever now that he's he's not going to be a fifteen. But Stockdale definitely deserves a little bit more time. But again. You know, you can't set him up to fail. There needs to be, you know, better clarity in in terms of the of how we're defending. And um, I'd love to see an improvement of that. It was interesting. Um, I saw a comment from from him saying, you know, that they're not really using the pendulum as maybe people think they are. Um, which would be, which would be really interesting because you know I suppose the areas that we've criticised him for has been in terms of his ability to cover the ground um, and and kick space, etc. And if if that's not how Ireland are going to do it, well then, and he's following the plan, um, well then that, that's going to be really interesting because we, we'd be a real outlier in that and uh, we'd be basically expecting our backfield to, to operate in a different way than, than most teams, which, which is fine, you know, as long as it makes sense and we can actually turn it into a, into a weapon. So that's that's going to be really interesting if... If he's defending as he's supposed to, and we're just on the wrong page uh, in terms of trying to analyse it. On the other side of the ball, Murray, uh, just looking at 15 in the back three, generally speaking, chatting to Owen Toulon in your absence on Monday, he was making the point that um, 
Ireland's counter-attack leaves a lot to be desired still, even in terms of how it's structured. And he was arguing that the likes of Stockdale probably don't get enough support from the front line, like the centres don't drop back enough when they are taking the ball on. Um, and he'd like to see Ireland work on that. He also made the point that it might not necessarily take a long time for that to be improved upon. Um, is that something that you can anticipate Andy Farr looking to work on ahead of this game or even over the autumn, generally speaking? Or, or do you think he, he's kind of, not set in his ways, but maybe that the way they're operating at the moment would be the, the way that he'd like to do so going forward? Yeah, absolutely. I think they'll identify that as one of the places they can get better and it hasn't been a strength for Ireland. Um, yeah, Owen's been, Owen's been really strong on that. And, and the stuff he's talking about are, they're not quick fixes. They're, they're habits that are ingrained in players and need to be ingrained in players, but there are certainly things that you can change and make life easier. Work rate off the ball, awareness off the ball, um, and actually allowing someone like Stockdale to really use his really unique athletic abilities. Um, we saw little glimpses of it against France where he beat defenders one-on-one and he has that ability to, to to create something, but it's not out of nothing. It's often little bits of subtle work off of the ball, ahead of the ball, someone getting a bit of width and, and drawing a defender slightly off you that allows you to run into an arm rather than a shoulder. They're all little subtle bits, but definitely there'll be things they're working on, particularly as they, I suppose, look to be maybe less reliant on structure and, 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 and enabling players to use their unique talents in the case of Stockdale he definitely has those along with that left footed kicking that's a massive weapon and it is a it's a brave call I suppose to keep him there um, and it's a show of faith when everyone I suppose is clamouring for a change there uh, it'll be really fascinating to see how he handles that you would imagine Wales particularly will have had a good look at that backfield and how it's operating and, and as Bernard mentions there there may be changes um, that are that are quite demanding for the players particularly as they learn a new position like like fullback so that's going to be a fascinating part of it um and it is going to be interesting to see how the back three the the backfield players work um obviously Keenan moves over to the right hand side and James Lowe comes in on the left you're generally going to have two back there for for Ireland um and it's going to be a big job against uh, someone like Dan Bigger let's talk about James Lowe then Bernard how do you anticipate he will adapt to test rugby is 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 there much of an adaptation from, say, the level that he has been playing with when Leinster get to the latter stages of European competition? Like, for, for an individual player, it, how, how great a step up is that? Or, or is it slightly overstated at this point? At this point? No, there's definitely a step up. Maybe, maybe well, for sure, the top four or five teams in the Champions Cup, um, there's not a massive step up. So the, the Rassings, the Claremonts, the, the Saracens, uh, the Exeters. Um, but in general, you know, 50 weeks of the year um he is probably playing at a level that's a little bit uh, is is a little bit less or is, is is a good bit less in some cases and his reliance on his power um and the the effect power, his power game has on his performance um is a question mark you know and, uh, that he's going to have to to answer and um you know if you look at if you look at both well uh, both Welsh wings Josh Adams and Ian Williams there quality test back three players proven um and it's going to be interesting uh for me for me the, i thought he look at if if wales hadn't changed the defense coach um and i know we're going to get on to wales in a second he would have been running against a, a defense that was using the touchline as a defender and he would have had time and i think it would have been an easier first cap for him um but i'm only guessing here but look at you know, Wales have made a change. Getting Jenkins has come in, short term to look after it. If you know, there's rumours it was player power, etc. You can only imagine what they wanted was you know the Sean Edwards blitz. So you know, it, it looks like we we will be facing that this weekend, which may make it more difficult for him. Uh, but I'm excited to see. Look at he, he's done everything asked of him in a provincial jersey. Um, in terms of influencing games and he has X Factor and he has the ability to to make things happen. He's got huge energy, which I think the team need. Um he's got huge positivity. I think he makes people feel uh feel more comfortable uh, and uh feel better about themselves through his through his uh, uh vocal vocal work but you know also the effect he can have on big hits, big carries, etc. So excited to see it. Um but he has to prove he has to prove that he's he can be as dominant at that level because in terms of out-and-out pace, um, he might not have the top-end speed that that a lot of international wingers need. 
Yeah, it's an interesting point, Murray, about the reliance on strength. And if we use, say, the Champions Cup final as the nearest thing that Lowe will have um, experienced, or the nearest thing to test rugby, sorry, that Lowe will have experienced, uh, certainly over the last few years, it didn't go well for him. And and actually, some of the decisions he made and some of the moments, you can, like, everyone will remember him being kind of shunted into touch when he tried to lower the shoulder. Those sorts of things are... Um, are, I guess, uh, susceptible to being exposed at, at test level when you do make that step up in that if you are kind of just relying on strength, uh, it won't be enough. But I'd be confident, and I think you'd be the same, that Lowe does also ha- bring enough nuances to the game and has enough in his locker where he'll be able to make that adaptation. Yeah, absolutely. There's loads of upside with him. He does have to be nailed on. Like, There's less scope for... The errors, I suppose. Rob Carney said it yesterday. He said the biggest challenge for him is is defensively. You know, a, a defensive error in a provincial game, you might get away with it, but at test level, it's probably a try, and and that's definitely true. Teams are so clinical in punishing those mistakes, and he'll be conscious of that. You would hope it doesn't take out his instincts. And again, that's Andy Farrell wants players to play with their instincts, and James Lowe's are to keep the ball alive. Um, to look for that double carry he does so well where he releases the ball and gets back to his feet and goes again constant energy just really frustrating to play against he is confrontational at times as well and it's been interesting because the the Munster lads again Carney was talking about the Munster lads had this impression of him they probably thought he was a bit of an arsehole because they've had their run-ins with him um, and now they're all starting to love him because they realise how good he is to have on your side as Bernard mentions he's an energiser he's infectiously positive he's always as we kind of highlighted last year he's always slapping ass and whooping and celebrating tackles and himself and Bundyaki are going to make a lot of noise on the pitch I would imagine it's great to have that personality in, in the squad he's like he's a gas man isn't he we did the live show with him last year and he was just hilarious he he, he loved it and, and even in that setting he, he was infectious to be around I think um, and in an Ireland squad where loads of them are you know pretty quiet kind of studious guys and Lancaster's been on the record about trying to make them into more vocal leaders probably having a different guy like that is a, is a good addition to the mix I think as well as all those abilities he has a good left foot as well uh, and it'll be interesting to see how Ireland employ that now with Stockdale and Lowe in the back three having that ability to to exit and and make a little attacking kicks as well so if he can nail I suppose that um, defensive side of the game and the high ball stuff that's going to come you know Dan Bigger will, will offer that as well he'll go chasing his own kicks if you can nail those things, then it is a really exciting signing, I suppose, for Ireland. That's what it is. Um, and he's going to add a huge amount, I think, in attack. So really looking forward to the, to the debut. I, I would imagine there'll be errors in there. Like, it is a, a big step up. But I would also imagine there'll be some big, exciting moments for fans to get behind. Bernard, a couple more on the team. What do you make of the scrum half selection of Jamison Gibson Park? Uh, the interesting part, I think, to most people is just the fact that Conor Murray isn't starting. Some people will be happy with that. Conor Murray clearly won't be, um, but Gibson Park has been in serious form. It, it could actually have a something of a transformative impact on Ireland, just the pace at which he plays the game. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and look at Ireland want to play, and actually Ireland's um, Ireland's rook speed uh, is surprisingly good, um, and one of the best in was one of the best in the Six Nations, but didn't feel like that. It didn't feel like we were playing creating quick ball. Um, and, and you know Gibson Park does give tempo and he he's he snipes and he's lively, um and it could be just what our attack needs. So I'm uh, look I'm definitely um in favour of of his selection um or you know or Marmy Marcuni. I think we are blessed at the moment with some real real competition there. But in terms of out and out tempo, um that's his game and you know can that be the I suppose the the spark our attack needs, uh, and you know, we we'll we'll find out we'll find out on on, on Friday night. But um, I've no issue with with his selection. I think he, he, you know, him and Luke Luke McGrath have have kind of shared, and, and probably he was second choice for for some of the big games for Leinster. But certainly at the tail end of of last season, which is only recent, um, his form seemed to to just pick up a little bit, and he became what I would say his first choice and. You know now he's now he's getting a crack in in the Irish jersey. Yeah, I think that that you mentioned there the sniping burn that's massive. I know Gav that you and Owen were talking about that again on Monday. Like Conor Murray hasn't offered a running threat for for a long time now. Let's be honest, even the the, the carry stats they're just not really there. We know before, say in twenty eighteen, he was a real try scorer. He 
you know, you think of him even in Chicago in 2016, that dummy and and um, and and scored against the All Blacks. He had that to his game. It hasn't been there recently. Gibson Park has lovely vision as he gets to that ruck. He can move the ball away at pace, but he ha- always has his head up. He's inventive. He can go off script to to a certain degree. Now, obviously, you've got to be nailed on with your decision making at this level of the game but I think that's something that Farrell's excited about and it is a little bit different he's got a bit more uh, I suppose natural creativity there and they definitely have to offer more of a threat in that area even if it's not Gibson Park sniping it's it's those little flick ball inside and and little things like that um, that just challenge the defence and make them hold that little extra second and that can make life easier for everyone out wide the challenge for him I suppose as Bernard mentions he's been kind of tit for tat with Luke McGrath and it was really interesting recently Stuart Lancaster was talking about one of the big things or the big thing they've had to work on with Gibson Park is him getting his mindset around being a starting scrum half um, like when he was back in New Zealand he I think he had 40 Super Rugby caps and only 7 of them were starts so he hadn't really been a first choice scrum half ever and, and he's had to work on that in Leinster where I'm just looking at the stats here 48 starts in 95 appearances so he's not always the guy leading the way whereas Conor Murray he's had 83 test caps for Ireland and 78 of them have been starts the last time he came off the bench was actually in the the 2015 World Cup against Romania when they rotated the team so very different role for him as well but you'd love to see a bit of fire and I suppose that awareness of you know there's someone here actually getting a a test start in in what is a big game as Bernard mentions and, and my place isn't as secure as as it has been in the past um that that's really positive and you, you you saw a good reaction in that sense say peter omani earlier on this year when doris came in and omani was on the bench he came on early in that scotland game and, and looked really fired up so that's what you want to see he wants to create that competition and you just hope that gibson park really can offer that that little bit of difference around the rock yeah only 28 as well gibson park bernard so there i the reason why i like i know that is just googling it i, I presumed him to be older and wondered like is this sort of a, a live option for say the next world cup or would it be more of a template if you like for some of the, somebody younger to come in and, and kind of replicate what gibson park could do with this team over the next couple of years but he'll be around all right no doubt about it um do you feel though Bernard, like that this selection, and, and I don't want to slip into the territory of reading too much into it because it is, uh, albeit an important game, it is just one game in a competition we didn't think we were going to have a few months ago. Is this kind of a, a statement by Farrell that this is the type of scrum half and, and maybe the very scrum half that Ireland want to have? And, and just to have that extra thread around the fringes um, is now a quintessential part of making holes or at least exploiting holes in uh, high line speed defences and and Murray unfortunately uh, has not really been able to produce that over the last couple of years and there's no indication that he will again at the moment. Yeah, and I, d- I definitely think it's a it's a message of how we want to play. Um, Ireland have 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 used less box kicking. Well, look at against Italy, there was no need to, but um, the box kick isn't as big a weapon as it was, and that's one of Connor's strengths. So, um, you know, we, we all all the soundings we've heard from camp and coaches is, you know, playing a a more expansive type of game and 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 you know slowing speed of ball and and the ability to get the ball to the to the best possible option quickly is is going to be key to that. So yeah, look at I think we need to develop. We, look at the reality is. Uh, and it's, it's testament to Connor and and, and Johnny's uh, longevity and quality. Um, but we don't know who the next in line are, uh, either as a partnership or as individuals. So, part of the the job for Farrell is to is to find out. And it may not be Gibson Park, or um, you know, it, it may not be Billy Burns. But the only way to find out is 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 to try them, and that's that's his job. It's a he's on a four. I think it's a four year contract. It's a four year cycle. Um, and you know he needs to find out who the successors to, to those two are, and they may end up being a partnership like like they were, um, or Stringer or Gara, or they may just be, you know, two individuals who, um, who 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 start, uh, you know, regularly and and, uh, but neither of them nail it down. We've got such depth in play in in in, uh, in place, so that's the challenge. And at, at the moment, it's not really clear. It'll be interesting to see what minute Billy Burns comes on in. And what state, uh, what state the game is in as well. But um, I'm sure Sexton's reaction will be a beaming one this time. Uh, I do think it's it's interesting that Burns comes in there and um, and gets an opportunity. And he's been good, as we mentioned last week, I think, um, 
in Ulster's recent games and has turned into much of a leader with them. Like again, he's twenty six, think so not a, not an old guy yet. Um, but totally agree with Bernard. Someone needs to really grasp these opportunities, and that's what Farrell's doing here. He's he's giving guys chances to show that while they've been sitting there in the squad, frustrated at times because of perceived favoritism to senior players, um, they've been waiting for this chance, and now they get it. So go and grab it. We haven't really touched upon Johnny Sexton. He gets the nod again. I think it's expected. And to be fair, we spoke about him in great detail last week on both podcasts, Murray, <laughs> despite the protestations of people in the 42 comments section where um, I was putting up a little piece from the podcast with Owen on Monday just about Conor Murray and his uh, constant selection. And people are like, well, you're talking about Conor Murray. He's 30. What about... Johnny Sexton, he's 35, nobody's talking about Johnny Sexton. It's like, we, we have been, okay? And to be fair, listeners will realise that. But I wanted to talk about him in a slightly different way, and it's something that cropped up after Paris, and I'm not sure anybody really dug into it too much. Maybe it's a bit of a, an inconvenient truth, or at least a, an uncomfortable conversation, but... Um, and I'll start with yourself, Bernard, throw you in at the deep end with it. Just talking about like uh, the leadership in Ireland's team, or maybe the lack thereof uh, in, in how it's been depicted by some. Um, not, I, not like, I don't think we're talking about a decision to go to the corner here at halftime. It's probably part of it, to be fair, but um, I think more of a general vibe, actually, at times. When, when you look at, say, how they react when things start to ebb away from them, like in terms of body language and just in terms of, I guess, the the scowls on faces and so on. Uh, I wonder, is that nearly a mirror image of the team's leader at times, uh, where in reality you probably need somebody to uh, rally the troops a little bit more rather than just, um, you know, rather than just... uh, feed into that kind of negative energy a little bit more which which is part of Sexton's game and and it's not like it's a natural thing for him but I wonder is there then a, a case to be made for somebody else to uh, take that role uh, in in the meantime look I think what most successful teams have or or coaches are looking to create or foster is a is, is a shared leadership um across you know four or five different um, players and they don't all necessarily have to have a, a bucket load of experience but they need to have influence on the group and um, I think there is a question mark around the leadership group in, in this in this Irish team and that's not uh, that's not Johnny and I think everyone just looks at the captain I think the days of the captain being all encompassing and, and running everything are, are, are gone and I'm going to look back and, um, to the World Cup but there was um, you know, there was huge talk around leadership group, um, being disenfranchised with the game plan and uh, too tr- training too hard, etc. But you know, and, and I think Rory Best in his book, you know, kind of mentioned that and it caused a bit of controversy, etc. But the reality is, the leadership group probably missed an opportunity to um to affect affect change or or to c- control performance in in the World Cup. Um, and probably Joe, Joe's the one who got most of the criticism. Um, and since then, since then, you know, in the in the big games like England away and and, and France away, um, when things have gone gone amiss a little bit, it seems like Johnny's the only one that everyone's looking to, and that's tough on him. That's very tough on him, particularly the way Ireland play and so much goes through him. I think it's it's very difficult. So and again, you know, we're talking about blooding players. Um and, and increasing our depth, but a massive role for Farrell is to is to find new leaders. Um and four or five players who are going to be first choice for us, or 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 at least in our match twenty three, um, who can share that load. So of the ones that have been doing that job in the past, uh, from what I understand, it was it was Rory, Johnny, Peter, CJ, Connor. And Keith Earls. Um, now CJ's not in the squad this week. You know, Earls on the bench. Peter's starting. Rory's retired. Um, and that's you know, and that's natural that there's going to be people to drop in and, and and new ones, um, new ones develop. And I know Ringrose has been earmarked as a as a leader by, by Leinster and I'd imagine Ireland as well. But it's it's about having you know shared responsibility. Alan Wynne Jones is captain of Wales, um, but I can guarantee you, um, you know his influence isn't on all areas of the game and I suppose the interesting one is Eddie Jones if you look at England when they play um, you know at half time before the players go into the dressing room they have a little huddle on the field 
the various leaders for different parts of the game, not just Farrell, speak and give feedback around what how it's gone. And then before Eddie Jones and the coaches speak to the players, they take on board what the leaders the leaders in the team um feel. And if if what the coaches feel is completely different, they have that discussion um and make sure they understand um where the game is, is going. And and so that's that's look at Farrell Farrell's got to adapt to that um and he's got to create it. And I just think it's another area where Ireland are just finding their feet and it's an area that when we get right will help us be more successful the example from Paris that today was was that big decision before half time where it's literally just Johnny Sexton and James Ryan um, and, and Johnny Sexton's probably in the position where you know he's the one definitely making that decision there wasn't there wasn't anyone else really on the pitch who has experience probably in making those calls like James Ryan's still a young guy at 24 and obviously has leadership capacity and potential and skills and will grow into that but that's probably the thing for Ireland now is is growing those guys and even you think of like Ty Furlong became part of the leadership group this year he's obviously injured now but even he'll tell you he's learning a lot about that about speaking up about having an opinion tactically normally he had just gone about doing his job job probably leading in a different way with big moments in the game and, and his character as well but Ring Rose is on the same journey as well about kind of pushing themselves to to be more of an influence on others around them and definitely have people for Johnny Sexton to lean on. Ian Henderson's definitely another one in that regard. Like he's the Ulster captain. And just to go back to Sean O'Brien's book, there was a really interesting passage there where O'Brien's talking about Henderson. I actually just got it, got it up here. He says, with his athleticism, physicality and strength, he has a lot of strings to his bow as a rugby player. We just need to see it on the big occasions all the time. He's the closest player Ireland have, in my eyes, to Maro Atoje in being physical, fast, getting over the gain line. Um, if he plays well, Ireland usually play well. I don't know if he realises that. And I, I thought it was quite a, a telling passage. And, and, you know, it's probably hard to disagree with. Like, Henderson has all the capabilities to be a dominant figure in the biggest games but maybe that hasn't always happened and I think that happening more frequently definitely takes a bit of pressure off um, the, the captain himself so that's a, an interesting challenge for Ireland definitely and, and there are some young guys there who have scope and, and ability to to be those leaders definitely Farrell will be you know he's got a, a keen awareness of that side of the game having been a leader himself from very early on in his career uh, as a young I think even as a teenager so that's a that's another area that they'll be they'll focus uh, very hard on over the next couple of weeks just just on that one about the, yeah. the halftime decision to or just before halftime in Paris to kick or not um, if you ever listen to Raj uh, like whether he wanted to kick or not Paulie would just say if Paulie felt it was the right time to kick he'd just say you're kicking it and that was that was it and, uh, and it's an interesting one and it's only a tiny um, you know, a tiny percentage of what leadership is, but it was just interesting. You had obviously, you know, Roger, lots of experience, very strong personality, strong leader. Um, but in that area of the game, you know, he did what the captain said, and um, and that's what I'm uh, kind of talking around. We just need to make sure that you know our pack leader, our line out caller, our defensive leader, you know, they're all really strong, and they they deliver the the message. Cons- you know, incredibly concisely and incredibly consistently uh, for the whole team to get better. Yeah, and sorry, when I was um, throwing Johnny under the bus there with my original question, which I didn't mean to do, that's kind of what I was what I was alluding to was, I guess, like, if you had somebody else say, look, we don't have an a, a Paul O'Connell figure at the moment, but somebody else even making the calls for him, like, it might be of benefit to him performatively. Like, I wonder, is there just a little bit too much going on uh, in his in his head during games, particularly when things are going wrong, because as much as a, uh, the captaincy might be a ceremonial position to the likes of us looking from the outside in, to him it, it might be a burden because, like, uh, it, 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 especially in Paris, when you didn't have say guys from the leadership group there, Furlong wasn't there, Romani wasn't playing, Ringrose wasn't there, it did all kind of it felt like it all fell on him, if you like, to be that kind of spiritual leader. And the thing is, we know that. Uh, the odd time when when things aren't going Sexton's way, uh, it's he wouldn't necessarily inspire you. Like it, it can just be a bad day for him. And I wonder, you know, if if um, if somebody else taking that weight off his shoulders might just free him up a little bit, particularly in this period uh, where you know, like it's Ireland are, are not at a not at their best, let's say, and are trying to get back there, you know. But then again, like, I, I understand that to sort of formally remove him as captain would be such a controversy and it just wouldn't be worth the hassle. It's it's more or less um, that 
if there was just other people in there to, to take the weight off him, which I, which I guess is the point you're making, Bernard, as well, about just kind of cultivating. Yeah, but I, uh, yeah, absolutely, Gavin. And I didn't take it as a, as a criticism of Johnny at all. But I, I also think, yeah, we want to have other people in, in the team who can share the responsibility. But also, I mean, you know, coaches can help as well. So if you say, look at, you know, you sit down with your game manager before the game and say, look at, we're chasing six, a six-point win here. Um, we don't need to chase tries early in the game. Um, and also, you know, over the last six games, statistically, when we kicked to the corner, our mall has only had a, a whatever, a 20% return. Or do we really want to take France on at the mall and let them get uh, energy from that? And so, obviously, I can understand the one where, you know, we kicked to the, cor- we kicked the corner on the, a yellow card. But, what, like, if you look at how they defended that mall... Right, and that's what coaches do up in the coaches box. Um, you wouldn't have been very confident that twenty minutes later there was going to be a different result. And I know we tried to shift drive, you know, around the back, and it was actually Fiku who came in and destroyed it. But I'm just saying that sometimes messages from from uh, above with just conviction, saying, "Look, at next time is a penalty, we're going for points," takes away some of the pressure from the, from the player as well. And don't be don't be. Uh, kidding yourself that other teams don't do that you know like Eddie Jones doesn't give Owen Farrell complete license to to make decisions there uh, there's certain times he says look this is what you're doing so that can be an area where we can help I suppose our, our, our current leadership group while we develop more mm. and anytime you think of a, a great captain like in rugby we were probably bad for over egging or over emphasizing captains and creating this myth almost around the good ones like anytime you interview or chat to the good ones they will mention the five or six other lads like think of any great team and and around a great captain are big personalities who can make strong decisions and ease pressure in other areas so i think your spot about your point about that gav is spot on uh, it needs to be a shared duty it's not just about the guy with the c beside his name on the team sheet Ah, uh, yeah. No, listen. I'm attributing typos to guys in autobiographies. I'm assassinating Johnny Sexton's character. It's been, uh, <laughs> it's been an odd one for me so far. Uh, it's been an odd time for Wales, Bernard. Listen, uh, you alluded to it earlier. Five defeats in a row. Uh, it's their worst. Si- they had their worst Six Nations campaign in I think 13 years. They've won two games out of seven since Warren Gatlin's departure. They've just sacked their defence coach, Byron Hayward, and their regions are really in disarray. We were speaking um, off air about the Pro 14 and like how, as much as the, the games involving Irish provinces this season have actually been very enjoyable as a competition, it's, it's arguably gotten worse. And I think largely due to the Welsh region's lack of competitiveness at the moment. So uh, you're a man who's worked in Wales uh, <laughs> and I presume you have a, some kind of an idea as to what's going on, but it feels like there's a lot to sum up there. Yeah, look, at there's, uh, there's a huge amount of unrest in Wales at the moment. And look, at there was always a, uh, there's always a certain apathy from the, from the Welsh rugby public to the regions, you know, it's it's, um, uh, you know, the start when the Ospreys had the Galacticos and and, um, you know, the Blues were 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 very competitive and and um, you know, Scarlets when when they go well can can bring in reasonable crowds, but, um, realistically the level of interest has, is quite poor and, in in terms of regional rugby club game is suffering there, um. A lot, and then obviously, you know, at the moment the international team are, are are underperforming, which hasn't really been the case. You know, I mean, there's been, you know, you've had unbelievable stability under under Warren. I think it was thirteen years, and he really papered over the cracks in in terms of the success of the national team. Um, and they weren't look at it wasn't every year brilliant, but they won. You know, they won a huge amount of games. They were incredibly competitive, and um, it kept the the general public. Uh, reasonably happy with with how the game w- was going, and now, now because they've had five five defeats because the nature of the performances, um, and even what was their their trademark, you know, this this defense and this resilience, um, and uh, making a stand defensively isn't there. It's even making it worse. And plus the whole thing around, they could have had Sean Edwards, you know, and, and that that played out a little bit in public and. Sean said he would have stayed if he had been given a four-year contract that he wanted that France were offering, and they made a decision not to give it to him. Um, and it's it's not, look, if you make those decisions, uh, and if they don't work, then obviously it, it becomes a, a huge issue. And and obviously with Byron leaving this week, 
there's an admittance that they didn't get that decision right. Uh, the problem is you can't bring Sean Edwards back. He's he's now, um, you know, he's now contracted to France, and you got to try and find somebody else. Um, at a time when financially the game there is in a is in a really look at every every nation's in a bad place financially, but they're in a difficult place because obviously the regions don't have the support in terms of sponsorship or or uh, season ticket sales uh, etc that that the teams are going to be competing against um, do seem to have so it's uh, it's it's a real mess and um, all kinds of fighting and even stuff like you know I don't know if you saw it but um, you know I think Alan Wynne Jones uh, mentioned um, you know Cardiff Blues maybe dropped the name just going back to Cardiff and um that's bringing back up a, an argument that's gone on for the last 10 years around you know the the valleys and 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 uh, and their their role in in the blues region etc so look at it's all coming to a head and, and they're under massive pressure and look you look at the team they have against Ireland this weekend it's it's a it's a very strong team but they played really poorly against Scotland and um it's you know Sam Warburton left uh, a little while ago the CEO has just left. Um, the head of performance, Ryan Jones, has left. The head of marketing has left. Uh, Byron Hayden was left. And yeah, the, I don't think they've ever come this disorganized. But can this, you know, can a team like this with this experience, you know, uh, rally the troops and, and, and get a performance? And, and, and they're well capable of. That's the, that's, that's the scary thing for, from an Irish point of view. It certainly is. Uh, can I just stick with yourself, Brendan, before we bring Murray back in and, and just to focus on Hayward's departure and also actually his arrival to begin with. Did you think it was a strange decision at the time at all to hire him, just given that there would be an absolute sea change in, then in what Wales were doing defensively? And we knew, the thing is, as much as, okay, Edwards is probably the best in the world at, at what he does and in how he deploys a defence, like the players, everybody in Wales, everybody who has an eye on rugby knew that that was successful. It was almost their unique selling point over the last few years. When other things weren't going right necessarily, that that defence, uh, that high line speed was something they could always depend upon. And to to basically rip up the script in that regard, as much as it might seem beneficial when you have new staff coming in and you just want a, a fresh or a clean slate, if you like, maybe to have to have had that one constant there that they could almost fall back on when things weren't going well would have been useful at a time like this. Uh, so I'm just wondering, do, do, do you think in maybe in hindsight that it was a, a poor call to to bring in Hayward or, or somebody of his ilk rather than sticking to what they were doing? No, look, I think uh, I'll, I'll give you what I would say the reasons were. So um, from if what we if what we read in the, in the media is correct is that Wayne is on a, is on a two-year Two year has a two year break clause, but Sean was insisting on a four year contract. So suddenly, then you had you know one of your staff who had more security or, or longevity than than you were getting, which sometimes can upset head coaches. Um, Sean's obviously a very unique character and a and a brilliant coach, and um, but can potentially be difficult to manage. Uh, and and Warren, Warren obviously had worked with him a long time, and and that and that wasn't an issue, but maybe for a new head coach. Um, they felt that might be a challenge, and uh, obviously he decided to use someone who he trusted and believed. Um, having worked with him at, at the Scarlets, I think there's another issue as well is that potentially you know three of your of your staff, you, Stephen Jones, Wayne, and and Byron were coming from the Scarlets, and in Wales, you know it's it's difficult because there may be seen to be a bias toward, from other regions players to. To, to that and and again that's natural enough because coaches pl- generally pick players they trust uh, and know better um but if you look at some of the selections um you know even this weekend uh the hooker Ryan Elias you know he's second choice for Scarlets yet he's starting for Wales and you know Elliot D didn't make you know I'm biased you know but Elliot D who'd been involved I think in 23 straight games for Wales under Gats as as a bench player to Ken Owens or started when Ken Ken Owens was was was, was rotated you know he wasn't in the initial squad of, of three hookers, and so there was two scarlet hookers in, and so little things like that when you're not winning, and you're trying to find your feet become big issues. So um, I can understand, you know, why uh, why Wayne made the decision he made. He just needed to get some wins, and he didn't get wins, and now now it's all 
it's all up in, in the air and, and um, it's an incredibly pressurised position. So I don't envy him. Yeah, certainly don't envy him. Murray, your thoughts on the Welsh situation? We haven't heard from you there for a while and I'm sure you have many thoughts. <laughs> I think Bernard's nailed it there. I just say it's not an envious position to far, follow War, Warren Gatland into the job. Like, what a mastermind of a job he did with Wales. He won a Grand Slam in his first championship and handy enough for Pivac, he won a Grand Slam in his last championship and got to a World Cup semi-final where they very nearly beat the box. So he went out on a massive high after a really brilliant era where he also fitted in loads of line stuff and, and just did a fantastic job. And you're probably appreciating it even more now, as we suspected might be the case. It's not an easy task to follow. Like Andy Farrell's obviously following Ireland's probably greatest coach in Joe Schmidt. We don't need to mention his record, but at least Joe did him a favour by having a bad last year. So Farrell would come in and he was fixing things rather than following straight on from Ireland's, uh, you know, best ever World Cup. Um, that gives him that bit of breathing space and probably understanding for things to change. And if it takes a little while, um, they can change. And obviously his record's been much better as well. So Pivac's really on the back foot straight away. And as Bernard summed up, like all is not well there. And um, it is a worrying time for them. At the same time, it's mad how, you know, strong a team they have on paper it hasn't been performing obviously over the course of this year but as you mentioned there's 800 test caps of experience there with loads of really good proven test players and nothing like uh, winning away in Ireland to, to get them rolling again so um, there's loads of motivation for them this weekend there certainly is and it's hard to believe as well Bernard uh, Johnny Sexton was even making the point earlier this week that it was only last year like <laughs> that Wales swept everyone in the Six Nations and um, well you know 18 months ago and uh, it is a sign of how quickly fortunes can change I guess but probably in both directions but it is also a warning to Ireland that things can get worse <laughs> conceivably and if Ireland were to lose to a Welsh side in this level of disarray uh, you know, like we we might well find ourselves at the same ebb as them. You know, like it, this is how precarious it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think Scotland are coming are, are are coming forward. I think they've unearthed a few players. Um, they've improved their physicality, which was their their Achilles heel. And um, so I I think next year, and this is pessimistic, but I think England and France are, are, are have kicked on a little bit or have a little bit more depth. Um, then we have Scotland are coming, and if we were to, if we were to, you know, to lose tomorrow and, and don't improve aspects of our game, we could be, you know, we could be struggling to be in the mid in in the mid rank in the Six Nations teams. But look at um, that's the pessimistic point of view. Let's 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 hope that um, you know we get a good performance, we we get a good win, and and you know we we kick on and and develop develop our, our our style of play, but also you know find some. Some future stars. Yeah, we'll edit, edit that part out. Uh, let, let's get predictions from you, lads, um, and, and finish the international section on a high note before we round off with Pro 14 preview. So, Bernard, starting with yourself, uh, do you anticipate that Ireland will actually win the game? And will we get the kind of performance we're looking for? Um, I think we might struggle to, to attack-wise, to be honest. Uh, uh, but... The Welsh attack as well. I mean, you know, um, Hayward is Byron is gone, but the, their attacking game was has been pretty awful. Um, given the amount of possession they had against France, and um, even you know, even I know the conditions were shocking against Scotland, but just they don't really look to have a, an idea what they're trying to achieve from attacking point of view. And and and, and to be honest, they are trying to go from playing a, a very direct game to you know playing that. Scarlet's type game that obviously won them a Pro 14 but uh, it's hard to see the evidence of it and under pressure which they are um, you can imagine that Dan Bigger will be more conservative than he probably normally would be and, and so I, I don't think we should have a big job shutting them down in terms of their uh, attacking game uh, but their defence I'd imagine will be a lot more aggressive a lot more high risk and that may stifle our attack because we're still trying to find out how to how to play against teams who, who defend with um with some real line speed. So I think we'll end up doing enough, but uh, it won't be pretty. That's frightened me, I won't lie. Murray, can you uh, cheer me up there a little bit more? Ireland by seven, James Lowe winning try. Nice one. That sounds great. Um, we'll leave that in. Uh, let's look at uh, Pro 14 then. Uh, Leinster and Ulster were in action last weekend. I'll confess to actually having not seen those games. I've seen highlights of them. Can you give us a brief synopsis, Murray, of what you saw? Yeah, uh, more of the same, really. Like the... 
the Welsh regions are struggling. Everyone else is struggling, but the Irish provinces have, have rolled on. Um, Leinster away in Osprey's Reese Roddick, man of the match again, just brilliant. Like his form is just outstanding. If they're picking the the autumn squad now, it, you know you'd probably have him in there, and and obviously has proven himself at that level before. So probably next year, twenty twenty one Six Nations, he'll be eager to get back in there. Uh, Ulster as well, putting Glasgow away at home. Glasgow, I thought were really disappointing just weren't up to the level at all and and made life a little bit easier for Ulster but they were clinical John Cooney is another one who's hitting some really good form again and he's responded really well to being left out by Ireland so it is good to see the the provinces starting strongly and you're having loads of good individual uh, runs of form really young guys and older guys alike who are trying to force their way back in that may be because some of the opposition hasn't been very strong so far but you can only beat what's in front of you and so far they've been doing that can we expect the Welsh misery to continue on Saturday, Bernard, when the Scarlets visit Galway to play Connacht? Yeah, absolutely. Scarlets um, were pretty lucky to beat Zebra um, last weekend, uh, which would have been a horrendous result for them. And yeah, they're they're, they're not playing with the same um, vigour as and 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 style as they were, and and they still have a good squad. I mean, Scarlets have the biggest budget in Wales. Um, they're probably the only ones that are close to the Irish provinces and have more money. I think they spend more money in Connacht, but Connacht seem to be in a in a good place. Obviously, they've had a couple of weeks with, with games cancelled, but their last performance against Edinburgh was 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 really exciting. And um, yeah, I, I I think Connacht will do a job on them. Murray, would you agree with that? And and is the uh we well the the cancelled games? I, I, is there a danger that maybe your kind of continuity, your flow? might be interrupted or can kind of kind of pick up where they left off yeah there was definitely a frustration there certainly the first time and definitely the second time again because of that edinburgh performance and you want to you keep that rolling you obviously get more time to train and and tweak things and get better understanding and they'll hope that that is apparent in how they play but it was a really exciting performance really good variety of kicking and running at the right times and players you know, going off script at times and, and making good decisions. It was interesting, interesting to see Abraham Papali, who we, we've spoken about a bit on this podcast, getting a couple of big rumbles. He, he didn't by any means last 80 minutes, but seems to be settling in and by all accounts is making a good impact and, and a destructive impact on the training ground. So it'll be interesting to see his progress and development continuing. Um, and yeah, I think Connacht will win at home. Munster hosts the Ospreys on Sunday. Munster, of course, were off last weekend as well due to uh, Benetton's uh, cancellation of that game or inability to uh, fulfil that fixture for the time being. Uh, Munster, for you, Bernard, at home to continue their own unbeaten streak? Yeah, absolutely. Again, um, like watched Leinster against the Ospreys. I thought um, Leinster were you know won quite comfortably and and um, wasn't probably a, a game it wasn't high standard as the previous week when they the Glasgow game I really enjoyed and thought it was a, a top quality game but yeah the Ospreys without their Welsh internationals um, yeah, they're definitely rebuilding and, and, and Munster you have to I, I really like what we've seen since since lockdown in terms of young guys coming through the energy they're playing with and uh, confidence and they're building they're building really nicely so um, yeah Munster to win that Munster as well for you Murray yeah and hopefully that sense of fun and form definitely continues couple more offloads couple more Kevin O'Byrne specials and everyone will be happy <laughs> Ulster away at Zebra they should get the job done sticking with yourself Murray uh, any objections there to an Ulster away win yeah I think they'll win away Zebra actually have, have looked okay in the last couple of weeks um, they obviously got a one and, and a win and came close last time out um, in Scarlet's off the top of my head so they look they look actually okay earlier on but Ulster definitely have enough quality there and as we mentioned before they have a really good core of players who aren't away obviously on international duty real stalwarts and um, even could see it coming back you know they, they missed him the week before they always do obviously but he's just, just such a brilliant rugby player he can do it all and I'd be very very surprised if they don't get a win there yeah you learned last week Bernard to back against Ulster at your peril or a couple of weeks ago uh, Ulster again for you <laughs> Yeah, hundred percent. Look at that conference A after five games. It looked like it's wrapped up. I mean, credit to to Leinster and Ulster, but they uh, and I, I, I don't see either of them losing this week. And finally, Leinster are at home to Edinburgh. We haven't heard Bernard uh, scream from the the rafters that there's an upset on the card. So no need to ask him for this prediction this week. Murray, Leinster for you. 
Yeah, Leinster again. Um, it was interesting, actually. We got a chance to chat to Rob McBride. We'll probably come back to this one, and probably before one of the bigger games they played this season, but he was talking about a couple of the tweaks, uh, you know, outlining a couple of the tweaks without going into great detail that they've made at the scrum since that Saracens game. It was the first chance, really, to ask him about that, and, and it seems they learned some pretty harsh lessons. It, you know, it's frustrating in a way that they'll just kind of keep winning now, realistically, until they get to to a, a bigger game like that or an opponent. They won't get Saracens, obviously, again this season, but someone of that ilk. Um, and then they'll get a chance to see, really, if they've learned. Yeah, it's going to be more of the same, really, for a few months, isn't it? But uh, as we found out last year, things can still get pretty exciting. Uh, gentlemen, thanks as always. Murray, thank you. Cheers, enjoy the rugby. I will, indeed. Murray thank will be guys. back. Thank you, guys. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Bernard. Murray uh, will be back on Monday for the 42 members, members.the42.ie. He will be chatting to Owen Toolan, looking back on all of the weekend's rugby, particularly Ireland's home fixture with Wales. Enjoy that. Enjoy the rest of the Autumn Nations Cup and the Pro 14. Until Monday and until next Thursday for non-members, mind yourselves, take it easy. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. If you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> it is coming out! Robbie Robbie Weekly. Little reverse pass.